Hi guys, welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. We are here weekly working at simplifying things in our lives, one day at a time, one step at a time. Together, guys, we are doing this. I'm your host, Michelle Visser, and this is a mini season of sorts. I'm answering some of your questions and I'm giving you my thoughts on a few topics. Um, today, we're talking about what it's like doing things scared. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, so I'm kind of really eager to hash this out with you today. Um, next week, we're going to talk about what our grandparents knew that we really need to understand that we forget in today's day and age. And then my plan for the final episode of this little mini season is going to be to answer some of your questions. I get a lot of questions about um, the stage of life that I'm in, about menopause, what that's been like for me about the empty, empty nest and what that has been like for Bill and I, but you know what? I'd like to just open it up to you guys. What would you like to know? And just make it a Q and a session because so often our seasons are focused on very specific topics. I really don't share much about me or my thoughts specifically on certain things. So let me know what you would like to know. Um, you can do that by just leaving your question right there as a comment over on YouTube. If you're catching this episode on YouTube, by the way, we are always releasing every episode on the podcast, not only on audio where you can find it on whatever your favorite podcast player is, but also over on YouTube. If you would like to sit back and watch, which is especially nice if I'm interviewing someone, I feel like um, having said that, I need to tell you that this mini season of sorts most of our episodes will probably not be video. They are still going to be on YouTube, but it's just going to be, you know, like a static image. It's not going to be you watching me talk. But the good news is it's just going to be a couple solo episodes. You really don't need to see my face. You can listen along. But I know that still some of you always listen to this on YouTube. That's just the platform that works best for you. So they're still going to be there, even though there isn't a, a video per se with it. So you can leave your questions for me there, whatever you'd like me to answer in the final episode of this season. Or you can go over to Instagram and I have a highlight there that's called Ask Me. And you can plop whatever your questions are there. And then I will sort through them all and promise to answer as many as I can, as best as I can in the final episode of this season. Okay. So I'm going to run through, <laughs> it's probably going to be a pretty long list of things that I really did not know much about. Some of them I knew nothing about when we just decided to dive in over the past decade. So some of it might be a little embarrassing even, but stick with me to the end too. I, I'm going to start with the story for you, but stick with me to the end because I'm going to share a story that I don't think I'm going to ever forget. I heard this recently, I don't know, maybe a month ago. I don't even know what Instagram um, I was on, what Instagram, um, oh my goodness, platform, channel, <laughs> person that I follow. <laughs> Account. That's what I want to say. I don't know what Instagram account I was on, but someone shared this story and she, it wasn't original to her. She had read it in a book. I have no idea what book to give credit to, but it's a really good story that, like I said, it's something I'm never going to forget. So I think, I think you'll like that. And it really drives home my point from this episode. 
Um, so, okay. First of all, my first story. Oh no, before I tell you my story, I want to tell you, sorry that our break. Okay. This is already episode two of this season. So it's kind of weird. I'm telling you this now, but when I recorded episode one, I didn't know this was going to be the case. Sorry that the break was so long between season five and season six. I think there was probably a month in between. It's also hard because when you record a podcast episode, sometimes it can be a week, sometimes it can be two months before it's actually used. So it's hard sometimes to keep track of, you know, what I'm talking now, but when are you going to be hearing it? Um, but the the month in between the seasons was not intended. Usually it's a couple weeks. At the very most that I'd like to go would be three weeks between a season. But, you know, sometimes you have to go that long because we're preparing. We have guests lined up. Sometimes a guest has to reschedule. And, like, we have a whole schedule we're working through. And we just want to be prepared and ready once the season starts. So it was never my intention, though, to go so long. But we had a couple different technical issues that were totally my fault, not my editor's. My editor is amazing, by the way. If you are looking to start a podcast, I'm just going to give a shout out right now to my podcast editor. He's fantastic. And he mentioned to me last week that he actually is looking for a few new clients. So if you would like to know more about how that would work and how amazing Aiden is, reach out to him at, I don't know if this is how you want me to say it, Aiden. And it was all off the cuff. It literally just crossed my mind and I need to look up the email address that you probably want me to give. <clears throat> Eden Carpenter Media at gmail.com. I'm going to spell that A Y D E N Carpenter, C A R P E N T E R, Media, M E D I A. So, all together, Aiden Carpenter Media at gmail.com. Reach out to him, let him know you heard about him on the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, and ask him if he can help you get started. Okay. Um, so anyway, none of my delay was his fault whatsoever, completely mine. And we actually are working on a project at the house that, uh, how do I, I can't, can I say this concisely? We're redoing the floors, but I shouldn't say we, because my two adult daughters who have come home for a short season to help with some things, and it's a very long, long story, but they decided there were some projects around the house they were going to help with. So my two daughters and my son-in-law have been going to town around this very old farmhouse to get some things done that have been needed to be done for quite a while. But our wood floors are wide, pank, <laughs> wide plank pine floors that are very old. They are very sagging. They are very warped. They are cracked and chipped. The one plank to the next could be a difference of a quarter of an inch in height. Things don't match up well. Let me just say, it is quite a huge undertaking. But they decided they were going to refinish the floors. We did this nine years ago when we moved into this farmhouse. It was a huge chore then, and I had been putting it off. It, has, it should have been done three or four years ago. But I've been putting it off because I remembered how difficult it was the first time. So they've been working on that. It's been huge. I mean, just it's it's a huge undertaking. It's a total of three rooms and 
you know, the house is just covered with dust because of all the sanding. The sanding itself is insane because of all those reasons I just told you about the planks a minute ago. Um, but on top of that, here's what I'm getting at. This is why I'm telling you all this. We have old ducts in the floors that we don't even use anymore, but the holes are there in the woods. So we keep the registers on it where it used to be a heating system. So they're really big holes that when you take the register covers off, I mean, I'm talking 12 by 16, maybe some of the holes and they're deep. They go down a foot and a half, two foot before they turn. So I was, it's my own fault. I'm walking along in a rush to get something done and walked right in full force, one of these big holes. So for three days now, I have done nothing other than sit in my bed with my foot propped up on three or four pillows. It has helped a lot. I'm now able to put a little bit of weight on that foot. I was so thankful I didn't break it. But anyway, <laughs> that caused a delay because that was right when the first episode was supposed to be released. And there's always things I have to do on my end before it actually is published. And I was not in the state to get that done. So here I am just now getting that done. So that'll be published. Well, it's so confusing, like I said, because I'm recording this a week and a half before it's going to be published. That'll be published on Monday. Um, and here I am sitting in my bed with my foot up on that big tower of pillows and recording this <laughs> from there, which now you understand why there's no video to go with this. Um, so all of that ridiculous story, you're going, Michelle, just just move on, right? <laughs> All of that ridiculous story to explain to you why there was a month delay in this season starting. And just really to let you know that it is my goal to be as consistent as possible, that every Monday we have a new episode filled with encouragement and simple living tips, tricks, and interviews, and whatever the case, every single Monday. So just so you know, you can go back to expecting that on a regular basis. Okay, now it's time for the story. A few weeks ago, I went on a wonderful bike ride. We live on a lake and my daughter, one of my daughters said, hey, you want to go bike ride? I said, absolutely. Didn't even hesitate. Once I had been an empty nest for probably about a year and a half before um, Jordan and Kayla and my son-in-law moved back in for a short time. Um, I, anytime one of them says, do you want to do blank? I don't even hesitate. Absolutely. Because I know it's for a very short time and I know, you know, I've missed having them around to do some of these fun things. So Kayla said, you're going to go for a bike ride. I dropped everything. I said, absolutely. It was a gorgeous day. It had already been a wonderful day. That was the same morning that I went on this gorgeous hike with my friend, Heather, and her and I got very motivated that we're going to be doing this at least once a week, if not more often. It's a hike right here in town. We can meet easily. And in less than an hour, we can drive there, meet, do the hike, give the dogs exercise and be home and showered and ready to move on with the day. So that was so exciting and motivating to realize, okay, this is a new goal. This is something we're doing. And I love hiking. And then I had had a great workout that day. So great that I even added on a bonus workout. So I was feeling great about that. It was still really warm weather and the lake water was an amazing temperature. So I swam longer than I usually would. Um, that was also the day that 
we had put up electric fencing the day before and I was working on training Selah, the new puppy, that she had to stay away from electric fence and had to not run to get to where the pigs were. She had to sit and watch them. So I sat for a long time just in the sun, in the tall grass with the puppy. That was so nice. Did some gardening. A lot of things need to be pulled out, but there was a few things I still needed to do. Um, I had, oh, I'd harvested a bunch of herbs and I was putting them in the dehydrator. And that is so fulfilling to just line up those trays with those herbs and know how much I'm going to enjoy them all winter long and think about the meals I'm going to be making delicious with them. I think there's an episode, by the way, all about this exact topic of drying herbs and why it should be something you consider, even if you don't have a garden. I don't know what episode that was. I'll put it in the show notes if you can't find it and if you're interested. Um, what else? Uh, oh, when I was in the garden, I had picked beans that day and I just love that. There is not many summer activities I love more than sitting down and breaking beans. There's something about the, the, the regularness of it, of just snap, snap, crack, toss, snap, snap, crack, toss. And you're doing, if I, I was doing it outside, say so the heat of the sun, the beans are still warm from being picked. It's just like, if that's all I did that was fun that day, that alone would have been relaxing for me. And, oh, and also with Sayla was learning to swim. And that was, I'm pretty sure the day that she really mastered swimming. And that was so exciting to see her and the other dog swimming around and enjoying the lake water. I mean, it was just all, I'm just going on and on with all these silly things that probably seem like nothing to you, but adding up, it was like the best day. I mean, it was just a gorgeous day. It was a truly beautiful New England summer day. And this particular summer, if you listened to last episode, you know that we have had very few nice, warm, wonderful summer days because we've had so much rain this summer. So it was gorgeous from start to finish in every way. And now here I have a daughter saying, hey, do you want to go for a bike ride? Heck yeah. Here's where the story actually starts. We start off on our ride and there is one house that we pass before we get to the lake. It's a cute little white house with a little front porch. And it's like right in the middle of this one acre of well-mowed grass, just a really cute, quaint house. And as we drove, as we rode by it, I remember thinking how crazy that it's all closed up tight. No one's home. Windows are all closed. Curtains are pulled. Cute little house on this gorgeous, wonderful day that I had been blessed to fill with so many simple joys. And this, this couple, it's a husband and wife. They don't have kids. They, they didn't experience it. You know, everything was shut up. Like, I can't really explain to you what I'm, what I was thinking at the moment, but it just really struck me as sad, almost like the house had a persona and the house was lonely and bored and, and it should have been happy on this gorgeous day. So I know that sounds weird, but that's, that's what I was thinking as we rode by it. It was probably about five o'clock, maybe five 30. And then we rode around the lake. We stopped for a while at the bridge and there's a nice spot to sit. You have to kind of climb over awkwardly the bridge and you're probably not supposed to do it, but there's a nice place to sit there and just watch the water. So we sat and talked, sat in the evening sun and then hopped back on our bike. So it was probably 
45 minutes later that we're riding back by the same cute little white house. And the husband had just gotten home. He was still in his suit, his work clothes. And you could tell he had just let the dog out. The dog was running around like crazy and he was trying to calm it down. He was throwing a stick for it. The wife wasn't home yet. It was just his car in the drive. And it just really struck me, I guess, because of the fact that it really struck me going past it, how sad I felt for this house that I had given a persona. <laughs> and now coming back, I really, I, from, from the time I passed that house until the time I pulled into our own driveway on the bike, I thought about this, that I had wanted that life. I had wanted to be that person that had a job I loved and I was working every day. And I would come home and let the dog out. Like that seemed like an ideal life. It was the life I wanted to live before I had thought about, you know, what our family would look like and having kids. But I very well could have gone down that path. And if I had, I would have never moved away from Delaware to New Hampshire like we did nine years ago. And by the way, it was a seven-year process. It's a long story. I've written about it a few places on the blog. I've shared about it some on Instagram over the years. But now's not the time. Maybe maybe I could do a podcast about that. Let me know if you'd be interested in knowing our whole story. But it was a seven-year process that we were in Delaware and thinking about moving to New Hampshire, but it took a long time to get there. <clears throat> but the fact is, I never even would have considered leaving Delaware because I would have had the job I absolutely loved. I was working towards that before we had kids. And if that job had materialized, I don't think I ever would have left the desk job. I think I would have been very content. I would have thought I had reached the perfect pinnacle, that I had reached what I wanted, that I had the job I wanted as a writer in marketing. And I loved what I did. And at least I would have thought I loved what I did, I think. But Seeing the guy get home, you know, at like 5.30, 5.45 and thinking about my day and what I had done that I had truly felt was so valuable and so like just such blessings. Like, wow. I think last episode I had mentioned that it's important to really think about our economy of what's important to us, what's valuable to us. And that day, my economy had been focused on all those simple things that might seem worthless and silly even now as I'm talking about it, but that were so valuable to me, that were so worthwhile, that had made me feel so rich, truly rich. And I would have never known any of those joys if I had chosen a different path. I had gotten the career that I wanted. I had become a career person. There's nothing wrong whatsoever, don't get me wrong, with being a career person. I truly thought it was what I wanted. Um, again, that's a whole other story that I can't really get into here that I don't need to. That just to tell you that, that in different ways, I was assured that my life goal was to stay home with my children, to raise them, to homeschool. Like over the course of a few years, that became very clear to me. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's any reason a woman shouldn't have that career. And you can absolutely be a great mom and have a career too. 
Um, it just wasn't for me. And I couldn't have done both well. I'm not, I'm not really gifted like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it, I, I wish I could put into words more. I really, I guess I should have almost written this down so I could really think it through and explain to you how deeply this struck me that the wife wasn't even home. The husband was so late and playing with the dog. The poor dog was like going crazy. Um, and, and here, you know, that was the economy I had been working towards before I had a complete 360 in my life. And now the economy that I was living with seemed so much richer when in the world's eyes, it, my economy, like was not worth anything. Like there was no dollar value you could put to any of that, except maybe, maybe the green beans. Okay. Maybe you could say the green beans were worth eight bucks or something that I, that I picked and broke that day, <laughs> but all the other things, like there's no monetary value to the swimming and to the exercise and the time to hike with a friend. And there's just, there's no monetary, there isn't, um, any monetary incentive there. So, <clears throat> um, but of course it was all tiny little steps that, that 24 year old who had the career path planned out for herself versus the 26 year old who realized being a mom was what she wanted to focus on. Um, and then moving on from there to the 30 and 35 year old woman, all of that was a long process filled with tiny little steps. And I had no idea, zero idea, the avalanche of goodness that was going to fill my life in the course of the last 20, 27 years. Um, after that very first little step that I took where I decided everything that I thought was important, maybe isn't. Everything that I thought was valuable maybe isn't. Like maybe I can switch my focus. And I just took one little step. I I said, I, I'm not going to work full time. I'm going to be a freelancer. So I was working maybe 20 or 30 hours a week from home, you know, and then that gradually went down to only when there were special projects, I would take on those special projects and work from home. And that gradually went down to um, maybe once a year, something really big that they needed a few days worth of help on, you know, just gradually kept doing less and less and instead focusing more and more on homeschooling and other things. And I don't know, for now, it's enough to say I could have ignored that first prompting that led to that very first step that led to where we are today. And then fast forward to the those seven years that we were considering moving, again, there was just little steps, little prompts all along the way. I actually, I actually journaled about that process because it was so unbelievable to me, the way God led our family, the way that we just very clearly for those seven years kept knowing we were moving forward, even when it didn't quite look like it. And I journaled the whole thing. It is like 60 pages in my journal of the details of those, those little steps and how the one led to the other that eventually led to where we are today. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stop there for a second and tell you that this episode is sponsored by True Leaf Market. 
and I have been fermenting like crazy. I have had cherry tomatoes. I'm so thankful. Even after the fail of our garden, I've had enough cherry tomatoes to ferment a couple half gallon jars of cherry tomatoes. We have had peppers. Peppers were one thing that did grow in my garden this year that I have fermented. And we ordered 20 pounds of fresh peaches from Azure Standard. Oh my goodness, was I happy with those. They were so delicious, but it was more than we could eat. And I didn't have time to um, make the apple pie or the, excuse me, you can't, you can't make an apple pie with peaches, just so you know. I didn't have time to make the peach pie that I'd wanted to. Um, Kayla, my daughter, did make a peach crumble. That was really good. But anyway, we had a lot that were going to go bad if we didn't do something with it. So I fermented some peaches and they were so good. I did a second jar of them. So, so good. I fermented a whole bunch of blueberries. We had an amazing summer for blueberries here in New England. And anyway, I've been fermenting like crazy. The reason I'm telling you this is True Leaf Market sells the ferment kit that we use that I absolutely love. It has this fantastic spring that is so much better than a weight. When you're going to ferment food, you need some sort of a weight and some sort of a lid or a cover for your bowl or your jar that you're using. I love this kit because it just uses a mason jar and because the spring I find to be so superior to an average weight and the lid is fantastic. It's a stainless steel, high gauge stainless steel lid that has a really unique design that keeps bugs and other any kind of critters out of your jar, but allows the airflow in, which of course is so important when you're fermenting. So go to solelyrested.com slash seeds to find out more about True Leaf Market. They are my number one source for seeds. That's why you go to solelyrested.com slash seeds. And I link to the seeds there as well as the sprouts that I love, but I also link to everything I buy at True Leaf Market, including my ferment kit. There's also storage lids, jar lids, Lots of good stuff. Go to solelyrested.com slash seeds. And there you will also see the limited time special offer, special code you can use to save big on your next order. Solelyrested.com slash seeds. I highly, highly recommend True Leaf Market. Okay. So I mentioned that I had, I feel like just an avalanche of goodness over the past 27 years. Some of the things that I could have never seen coming. Let me just list off a few. Let me think. Well, I always wanted to narrate great books. I didn't know how that would fit into my life. I didn't think I'd ever actually be able to do it. And I don't know if I will. Maybe I still will have that opportunity because I would love to do that. Like a really great book to read it and turn it into an audio book. I mean, ideally, I'd love it to be the book that I write, but that really wasn't necessary with my first book. We'll see what the next book is. Maybe that'll lead to an audio book. Um, anyway, that was always one of my dreams. But I'm saying this because... I had no idea there was even going to be a thing called podcasting back when I used to dream of narrating books. And honestly, I think that I love this thing more than I would love the other thing. Like I absolutely love podcasting. It's so cool. The people that I get to interview and chat with, and it's so cool. My interactions I get to have with you guys, the listeners, and it's just, I I love it There's so much about it. I love, and I would have never in a million years seen it coming because there wasn't even such a thing back then. Um, but that's how life is, right? Like there's always immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. That's what it says in Ephesians 3.20, I believe. Um, let me pull it up. Ephesians 3.20, now to him, 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I feel like I should pause though, because even if you are not a Christian, I feel like you can see this fact in your life. You might call it good luck. You might say, oh, it's good fortune. But the fact is God extends a common grace to everyone, even if you do not call him your God. And we all benefit immeasurably by his goodness and his grace. I mean, just spend a few minutes looking at the sky, grazing at the horizon, or, or, or sit in the grass under a beautiful tree. And I mean, you do see his handiwork every minute of every day in your life. And it's all a common grace. I could go on and on, but if you would like to chat more about that, just message me because I love to talk anyway, but I especially love to talk about the redeeming, amazing work of Christ in my life. And it it's not part of my platform, but it is absolutely an underlying reason for every single thing that I do, whether it's here on the podcast or on Instagram or on Facebook or on YouTube um, or the books that I write, even if they are not quote unquote, a Christian platform like I said, it's it's the underlying reason for everything that I do. So I always love to talk about it. So if you want to talk more about that, just reach out to me, message me. But as much as I was blindsided by some of the amazing blessings that have just like come, I feel like out of nowhere, the truth is, if I'm honest, I mean, we worked towards them for sure. Um, there were also these giant leaps of faith. And this is finally... <laughs> what I was getting to this, this episode, there are these giant leaps of faith and so much work and lots of just doing it scared. In fact, the nine years that we have spent like working towards this kind of simple life, trying to simplify things, trying to have a little farm and just, you know, do things in a more simple way, a little bit more like my grandparents did. I'm still doing this scared, guys. I'm still every day, probably doing something scared, like fermenting the peaches. I was a little scared to ferment the peaches. I had fermented blueberries and I had done it for years and I knew that they were one of my favorite things to ferment, but I had never fermented peaches and I was kind of afraid. I don't know why. I had questions. I wasn't sure I was doing this right. I wasn't sure if this one that was too overripe should be fermented or I should do something else with it because maybe it wouldn't be good in the ferment so many things, but I just did it. I did it scared. And I'm so happy I did because they turned out deliciously. You know, living in the country like we do in, in small town America, when I had come from major suburbia, just half an hour south of Philly, from a little postage stamp yard and a postage stamp development of houses that were situated inside another development. Literally, I lived in a development that was inside another development. Um, and I'm pretty sure we had six or seven, it was probably seven Walgreens in just a few miles of our home, like that I could drive to in a matter of eight minutes to each one, at least seven Walgreens. And I was in walking distance of every kind of store and restaurant that you can imagine. I mean, seriously, it was a really built up suburban area, but you couldn't actually walk to them or you would, you would die because you would be walking on a major highway and the traffic was always insane. Um, so it's, it's a huge change in life, right? Move into the country from that. And I've learned so much through the process of being in this whole, just plopped 
dramatically into this whole different life from one to the other in a matter of days. So I've learned a lot, but there is still so much I haven't done. I haven't learned. I'm still scared to do. Um, in the very beginning, we started a garden day one. We hadn't even moved boxes to the right places, not alone unpacked anything. And we started turning over a garden because it was May 5th and we knew the time was so short having a garden in New England. So that was the first thing we do. We did. Um, but you know, it was virgin soil, or at least it hadn't been tilled or gardened for probably at least two decades, maybe ever. And it was great those first few years. Amazing. But I didn't know about soil quality. I didn't know about testing. And after having gardened that plot for, I guess it was about seven years, suddenly I was having all kinds of problems. And I realized I had to learn about soil testing and I had to learn about amendments. And I'm still, I'm still doing it scared. I've learned a lot and I'm going to be sharing a lot actually on Instagram. I'm planning some, some reels and things about the amendments and the cover crops that I'm planting. And over the past two years, I've learned a lot, but it just was a matter of, I just have to do it. I have to try something, see if it works and then try something else. Um, after we planted the garden, we got chickens right away. Chickens are a great way to start. And the thing I didn't know about chickens, never even thought about was if you have a dog, you need to work really hard to train that dog to be around the chickens or your chickens cannot free range because the dog will attack and break the neck of the chickens. Like, but yet I knew I wanted to free range the chickens because they help with fleas and ticks and ticks are so prevalent here in New England and lead to Lyme's disease. So like I knew I wanted free ranging chickens, but it never crossed my mind. Oh, that might be a problem since we have dogs. So that was something that I had to just do scared. I had to try and figure out what's the best way to train this dog. I had Googled it. I had looked for it in books. I found nothing, no references anywhere back then. This was nine years ago of how to train a dog on a farm to be, to behave around your chickens. So once I figured it out, I wrote a blog post. And since then, I think a lot of other people have written similar kind of blog posts, but, um, I'll actually link that. I'll link, I've written anything I mentioned that I've written about, I will link in the show notes because why not? It's all there for you to check out if you want. Um, so after the garden and the chickens, the next thing was meat rabbits. That was immediately after the chickens, we started meat rabbits. We probably raised them three or four years for meat, but I can tell you with certainty, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Not a clue, no idea how to process them, but we brought them home and we got some books. We read some websites and we just dove in. We also found a friend who graciously um, let us bring our rabbits to her setup. She had some meat rabbits and had a setup there for butchering and she helped us. She walked us through the first time. So that was such a blessing. But I tell you what, the first time we processed them here on our farm, just my two daughters and I, it was, it was intimidating and heck yeah, we were doing it scared. And let's see the next thing I will tell you, I will pause and say, we then started raising pigs and the meat rabbits very quickly went by the wayside, even though they were a blessing, it was a great way to start raising our own meat. Now having the pork is, uh, it's just a whole nother realm of amazingness, being able to raise our own meat in that way. Um, 
Okay. So the next thing that first winter, Bill decided he wanted to tap some trees. He was going to make some maple syrup because if you live in New England, he had heard that's the thing you need to do. And I'm like, do you really know what you're doing? And he's like, nope. I'm like, you're really just going to put some holes in trees and you're going to seriously try and make syrup. He's like, yep. And that's what he did. <laughs> and he failed. He failed so badly. Like we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. Sure. We tried to read about it but back then. There really wasn't a lot on the internet about it either. This was nine years ago as well. Um, now, by the way, on my site, you can find a whole lot about tapping trees and making maple syrup because I knew that was a big hole and that was something that was needed for people who were just backyard sugar makers to know how to do this. So as we learned it, as we messed up a whole lot and we learned some more, I started to write about it and eventually it led to Sweet Maple, my book. Um, bees. <laughs> we still haven't figured out bees, guys. I, I don't talk about it much because we literally fail with our bees, but we're still doing it. We are still doing it scared. We are still investing money into bees every year. And we have not gotten to the point that we feel like we're successful. And we have not gotten to the point that I feel like I can actually teach you anything about bees. So maybe I will just move on. <laughs> um, I do have an episode about preparing the bees for the winter and um, a podcast episode and a few blog posts. So I'll link that in the show notes if you're interested in knowing. We have certainly learned some things, but I am far from an expert on bees. Um, but the honey's good. I will tell you that. Uh, we got ducks not too long after the chickens, actually. And we had no idea what to do with them. Like we actually thought we could keep them in with the chickens. Oh my gosh, that was a mistake. Like just a day or two, and we knew that wasn't going to work for a whole lot of reasons. Um, so that took a while to figure out what kind of a, a house do they need and what are their needs for water and what about in the winter and then and they can't have access to just open water and you know are they going to be okay and we just we just dove in and we did it scared we didn't know anybody who owned ducks so we we researched what we could and we learned what we needed to as we went and ducks are really fun really fun and the eggs are delicious. So I'll link the information that I have written about ducks in the show notes. Um, probably, probably around the same time as getting the ducks, we brought home a barn cat. We started with one barn cat. The poor thing did not last long um, because our cow had just calved and the barn cat wanted to play with the calf and the mama cow did not like that. And within just a few days, the mama cow was fed up with this kitten, this barn cat coming around and pestering her baby calf. And she kicked it across the field, stomped on it and kicked it. And the poor cat didn't even see it coming. So I don't know why I just told you that because that's such a sad, sad story. But that's how pathetic our entrance, our entrance into the barn cat world was. I mean, I think she was here like two weeks when that happened. And if we had known better, you know, now that I know, I would have made sure she stayed away from the cow until the calf was a little older. But when the calf was a newborn, I should have known that the mom was going to be protective and she would probably squash that, that little cat. And sure enough, that's what happened. I should have known looking back, but I, I was doing it scared. And guess what? That means sometimes there are mistakes and sometimes there's, you know, big mistakes, but you know, I learned from that. I'll never make that mistake again. Then we started raising barn kittens and one of our early litters almost went blind. I'll link in the show notes to information about that. Um, 
this episode is probably getting too long, so I'm not going to share with you all the details. I'll just link that if you want to know more about it. But now that I know what I know, we've always been careful with future litters that to do precautions to make sure that they are not going to go blind. But, you know, when you're diving in and doing it scared, that's how you have to learn the hard way sometimes. But those kittens were fine. We rescued them in time. Their vision was fine. The end, the story ends well. Um, oh, the calf that I was mentioning, <laughs> we didn't know how to sex a calf. And for three days, we thought that our girl cow was a boy cow because we didn't know how to sex a calf. So I wrote about that. You know, that's the good thing. When you're diving in, doing it scared, you're learning the hard way. Number one, you're never going to forget it. And number two, you're eager to share it with others. So all these things that I learned, I immediately started writing about and putting it out there on the blog so that other people would hopefully learn from my mistakes. And that's a good side, right? To doing it scared. Oh, and then once we started raising pigs that first year, I remember <laughs> when I realized we had to fill out cut sheets for the butcher. I'm like, oh, what's a cut sheet? I don't know how this works. Like I have to tell him how to cut the pig. Like, how do I do that? I thought he would just give me what, you know, just give me the meat. <laughs> no, there's a lot of things you have to let the butcher know about how to cut the pig for you how much you want of certain kinds of meat. And there's certain sections that you have choices of what kind of meat you want him to cut from that section of the pig. And there's also the choice of smoked. There's many pieces of the meat that you can choose smoked or not smoked. And, you know, I was like, well, how do I decide? How do I know? So many questions. So I've written a good bit about pork on the, on the blog as well. So I share all of this very long list, not to embarrass myself, although maybe it should embarrass me, <laughs> all the things we've done, not knowing what we're actually doing. Um, I share it all to encourage you. That is my goal of this episode, in case, in case it's not obvious. <laughs> I really am wanting to encourage you that, you know, after all this craziness, nine days down the road, I can look back, I can rattle off this list to you. And this did really happen over, well, at least seven or eight years, everything that I'm telling you. So it wasn't all in a matter of, you know, a couple months. This was a long process of things that I was learning. And by the time I got to the problem of not knowing what to do about, you know, barn cats or cows, I had totally figured out chickens and ducks and maple syrup, you know. So trust me, that's another good thing about doing it scared. You conquer one thing and then you add on another thing, but at least you've conquered that first thing and you have that under your belt and that part's easy for you. And sometimes I think we forget that and we don't realize that when they're when the middle of life and something is now easy for us, we forget that just a year or two ago, this wasn't easy. Just a year or two ago, I had no clue how to do this. And now it's so simple and routine for me that I take it for granted, right? And we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. So again, I'm sharing all this to encourage you. And one day you're going to realize whatever it is you're working towards, it might not be anything homestead related. It might not be anything about all those things I just shared could be something totally unrelated, but whatever it is that you're dreaming about, that you're working towards one day, I promise you, if you work towards it and you do things scared every once in a while, you are going to realize you're right in the middle of what you used to pray for. You're right in the middle of what you used to long for and dream for, but maybe you didn't even have the words or the images to know exactly what 
it even was that you were longing for. Like for me with podcasting, I had no words or even thoughts in my head about someday I want to podcast, but it came about as a fulfillment to like a lifelong dream and I'm loving it. So because it's really slow steps sometimes, because it's a whole lot of doing things scared sometimes, you might not even realize it when you're in the middle of all those answered prayers and the life you had hoped to live. You might not even realize it until you kind of pinch yourself and look back and maybe you journaled and you can look back at your journal and remember that you're there. You're in the middle of some something awesome that you've worked really hard and done a whole lot of things scared to get here, but it's good. And it's not perfect. I do have to say that. Oh my goodness, is it not perfect? This floor project we're in the middle of, it makes me want to just sell the house, never live in an old farmhouse again, and just have a cute new little thing that is home. <laughs> like it's hard. So even when you're in the middle of your dream life and you realize life is really good and it was worth all those years of hard work and being scared and messing up, even then it's not perfect. Even then it's hard work, but it's good. So good. And you know, you can look at your hard and you can focus on those circumstances and you could dwell on what you can't accomplish, or you can dwell on the mess of the hardwood floor that's being refinished, or you can choose to focus on what you can do. And it might be totally basic. I mean, I could never have even tried to begin to do these hardwood floors at this level that they're doing it. But, you know, with everybody's help, we're getting it done. But it might be just something basic and really small. It might seem really small, I should say, but just do it. Do it scared. Dive in because that one little tiny thing that's basic is going to lead to one more little tiny thing that's basic. And then maybe the next one won't be so tiny. And then maybe you'll be ready to really do something that's really quite scary. So trust me, you have no idea where you're going to be 27 years from now. And your economy of what's important and good might be very different for you in 27 years than it is today. But just ask yourself what little step you're supposed to do. Ask yourself what thing it is that you have been putting off, that you have researched for way too long, that you have read about for way too long, that you have thought about for way too long, that you just need to do. And then do it. And realize that that's the first step towards wherever that life is going to be 27 years from now that's going to be so worth it. And the person that you become is going to be so thankful and is going to realize the simple joys are so much more valuable than what the world says is important. But okay. I promised you I had a story. Now's time for it. I think I'm going to wrap up with this story that I heard a few weeks ago. Keep in mind, I'm totally paraphrasing it. And it is totally not my story. I'm not taking credit for it. And unfortunately, I don't know who to give the credit to. If you're listening to this and maybe you've read the book and you, you recognize the story, please tell me. And I will absolutely give credit in the show notes to the book that this comes from or what, you know, who, who told this story. Maybe, it, maybe it's real. Maybe it actually happened. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. So there's a pottery class. 
And there are two groups. They divide the class into two groups of people, two groups of students. One half of the students are told they are going to be graded on only one thing, on the quality of one piece of pottery that they create. They only have to create one pottery. After the entire session of pottery class, they have to have one piece of pottery. It can be whatever they choose. And they are going to be graded solely on the quality of that piece. That's it. That's all they have to do for the entire semester. The other group of students are told they are going to be graded on their quantity. The more pottery that they produce, the higher their grade is going to be. And that's it. That's it. That's the whole thing they're graded on. I will stop and tell you that both of those scenarios would terrify me as a student, <laughs> but that's beside the point. So all the students, they're given the same amount of time, same amount of clay, the same studio that they're working in, the same kiln that they're using. Everything's the same. The, the quality of the clay is the same. The quality of their, is it called paint that you use? It's not glaze. The quality of their glaze is all the same. And how do you think it ends up? Well, that group of students that were told the quality was all that mattered at the end, there was not one perfect pot produced by that group of students. There were a lot of perfect pots and pitchers and bowls and mugs produced from the class as a whole that the instructor said, these are perfect. These are A plus quality pottery. The handles are perfect. The glaze is done beautifully without any bubbles or mistakes. It was fired just right in the kiln, like perfect, whether it's a mug or a bowl or a pitcher, whatever it is. And I'm putting them on this side. This is the ones I'm lining them up. These are perfect. The students went and looked at what was in the perfect side. And all those students that were in the quality group that only had to produce one piece of pottery that would be in that perfect group of pottery to get an A in the class. That's all they had to do. They all went and looked and surveyed the whole table full of all the perfect pottery and not one of them had one piece on that table. Not one. Instead, that group that all they had to do was churn out, just keep on churning out pottery. Do it, do it, do it. Just do it. They Every one of those students had at least one piece of pottery on that table that was considered perfect by the instructor. Every one of the quantity group of students got an A plus in that class and not one single one in the quality group got an A, not one. Because you see the group that had to just keep churning them out and just doing it, making more, learning how to put the killing to work, learning how to put the glaze on correct, try different things, try different ways of getting the handles to stay on and try different ways to get the bowl to be just the right shape. Just keep, just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. That was the group that was doing it scared. And they had to just keep pushing themselves. And the whole time they were learning. 
And in the end, they had learned enough that every single one of them could produce at least one kind of thing that was perfect. The quality group, they had been too busy theorizing about what perfect pottery would look like and researching how to make a perfect handle for a mug and trying out all different glazes to see what each of them looked like. And in the end, they had very little to show. They had very few pieces, any of them, but none of them were perfect. They had grandiose ideas. They thought they had learned a whole lot. They'd spent a lot of time talking about it and thinking about it and reading about it. But in the end, they had a pile of dead clay and some very imperfect pieces of pottery. So guys, sometimes you need to just keep churning it out. Keep working. Don't stop. Work hard. Go to the next step. And even if you fail, try the next step. And in the end, give it some time. You are going to learn. And you are going to churn out some amazing things in your life that you are very proud of. So that's my story. I hope you liked it. And I hope you remember it and it encourages you in the months and years ahead. So on that note, don't forget, wait, did I even tell you? I did tell you in the beginning, don't forget to send me some questions, what you would like to know about anything, anything I've talked about today, anything about our, our family, our old farmhouse, where we live, what we do, um, my writing, my podcasting, whatever, any kind of questions you want to know. Um, ask me over on this YouTube video in the questions or over on Instagram, I have a highlight called ask me or just message me on Instagram. And next Monday, we're going to be talking about what our grandparents knew that we absolutely need to be reminded of. So I hope you join me next Monday for our next episode. Thanks so much for being here. It matters so much to me. It means so much to me, I should say, that you spend some time with me here on the podcast. It means a lot. And remember, guys, it is easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple everyday efforts. It's not easy, but it's a good life.